myth, magic, medicine, and everything in between. Two doctors talking. Hello, and welcome to Myth, Magic, Medicine. I'm Denise Belimahia, a retired doctor, now hypnotist and coach. My guest today is a personal friend, Dr. Judith Glaser, who is a DO, board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation, and a certified medical acupuncturist. After 13 years in clinical practice, Judith just very recently transitioned to a non-clinical role in healthcare and has agreed to chat with me about part of that journey. So much, Judith, for joining me today. It's, it's so lovely to see you. I haven't spoken to you for quite a while. So can you tell me a little bit about your background? I think your, your dad was a doctor. Yes, and thank you so much for having me. It is great to catch up. I know we talk on, on uh, chat, but it's nice to have the real live um, view of you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A voice, yes, not just words. Yeah, so my dad, um, he was uh, actually my inspiration to become a doctor. He's uh, one of the dinosaurs in medicine, and he just retired. He's an internist and cardiologist by training, and he did a lot of you know primary care, too. Mm -hmm. And he... Um, he loved taking care of people. He felt, you know, taking care of their, them and their families. Um, it was, it was a real honor for him. Um, we lived close, very close to where he worked. So it wasn't a challenge for him commuting and he had flexibility because he worked for himself, but he definitely worked very hard, but it was rewarding. Mm -hmm. And I saw that growing up. I, he wasn't a doctor that said oh don't go into medicine um but I do have to say when we were when I was in med school like once or twice when I called him feeling like overwhelmed before like an exam maybe it was like step one or something uh I called him and he's like and I was like oh it's so much information or and he said yeah it is like it's a lot <laughs> and I was like, maybe, the first, maybe the first time that I heard anything like negative about medicine from him but he really rode the wave with how healthcare changed he never wanted to hire uh you know a mid-level <laughs> PRNP he very traditional which was good but then I think it was difficult to maintain when you get older but it was mm -hmm. 76 and I'm glad he finally he's only uh, just retired just retired in December and now he's doing some non-clinical, you know, part-time work. And because of course he couldn't really retire, but yeah, okay. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. But um, but it, but you know what? He he likes working. I think when you're I think this day and age people don't have like oh people don't necessarily fully retire. And when you're a professional, you do have options of doing some work, you know. Mm -hmm. So for him, he likes it. It's like a new way of he's told me about you know, a couple of the cases, just he finds it interesting. He's never been on that, the non-clinical mm -hmm. side of medicine. So I mean, is he, is he doing the reviews for cardiology stuff? Or is it general medicine or, or anything that crosses a desk? I think it's mostly uh, radiology, uh, cardiology, like mm -hmm. uh, interventional. Mm -hmm. maybe that. And like all the, the new, um, like cardiac MRIs, maybe also chest imaging. Mm -hmm. he, he he was lucky the person 
before him was they were the cardiologist was retiring so they were looking for a cardiologist so oh great so he's now set up with the two monitors and all tech getting tech savvy to work from home too it's wonderful isn't it that you can work from home well a mixed blessing you've got kids so how do you feel about working from home with children um so my son is 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 respectful he's uh (laughs) but you but you saw before my daughter came in she um she's learning she's learning she yeah but my but there's definitely a big maturity difference between four and six year olds yeah but I was I've been prepping them for it and they actually were excited about me working from home because I used to go to like multiple places and no one knew where I was at a given time Mm -hmm. like my husband he'd be like where are you now (laughs) (laughs) I'd get confused too but um so they're kind of and some days when I was still doing that, they'd be like, where are you working today? You know, like they, no one could keep track of it, but now they know I'm working from home. And I think they just, you know, like knowing where I am. Yeah, yeah. They'll get used to it. We kind of skipped the step. So you, you grew up in a medical household, so you, you knew what you were getting into sort of, mm-hmm. and you chose, did your father an MD or DO as well? He's an MD. Okay. It, was there a conscious decision to, to become an MD? Because then obviously you went into physical medicine. It, was, that, was there a pull towards DO for you? I, at the time I was applying all over and I, that's where I got in, New York College of Osteopathic Medicine, NICOM, and it was uh-huh. local. because <laughs> yeah. yeah. I didn't live at home though, because even though it was relatively local, there was always a lot of traffic. So yeah. I lived near the school. Um, but I did one of my dad's partners at the time was a DO and I thought it was interesting. I had originally wanted to go, thought I was going to go into primary care. Mm-hmm. And when I did a rotation in physical medicine and rehab, I was fascinated by neuroplasticity. Uh, there was a relatively young patient in her fifties. I'm pretty sure like early fifties, I don't think older than 55, but she had a cardiac procedure, like a valve replacement. And during the procedure, ended up having a massive stroke with, you know, pretty significant hemiparesis. She wasn't walking when she came on the rehab unit. And um, over time, and back then, 13 years ago, people were able to stay in acute rehab a little longer. Uh-huh. So well, not really, like it was back 40 years ago, you could stay forever, but yeah. 40 years ago, you could stay like nine people. Yeah. That was the story. You could stay nine months, 12 months till you renovate your home. Yeah. <laughs> but I came in when they were starting to cut things, but I just, I still have the image of, in my head of her walking after, you know, recovering and walking. And I was, it was a hemiparetic gay, but she was walking with, you know, the quad cane, you know, her arm, you know, you, you could tell she was had hemiparesis but you know I was just wow she had her life back mm-hmm. she could you know she had to adapt you know we use adaptive equipment or but she, I, I'm pretty sure she was on her way to being you know what we call in rehab medicine modified independent <laughs> using equipment or you know walking yeah relating with the cane or you know and um and then also the musculoskeletal aspect um I was always a interested in muscles, I guess, and, and how the body moves. I was a former lifeguard and swim instructor. So I thought it brought everything uh, together. Mm-hmm. 
I ended up for my first job, um, primarily doing neuro outpatient neuro rehab. And I managed a lot of people with, um, strokes and the, the long management, well, the chronic management, uh, strokes and brain injury. I, I ended up doing spinal cord injury too. Cause when I started the hospital job, you know, they were, a lot of people had left, um, even though I wasn't fellowship trained, I, you know, we just had a residency. I did learn a lot on the job and which was good because when it came to oral boards, I really did not need to study because I saw everything, <laughs> you know, and I was doing EMGs and we had an interesting um, post-polio clinic. Uh, I got to present internationally at a international post-polio. People say, oh, there's still polio. Yes, there is still polio. Still polio. And I was living in Washington, D.C., which is a very international city. So you would get a lot of people who, you know, international immigrants um, mm -hmm. and uh, and young um, mothers. Mothers, you know, they had polio when they were like five, six in India or Pakistan. And then they, 25, 30 years later, they're, you know, their moms and they're struggling because they're also experiencing post-polio syndrome. Right, right. That's another part of it that surprises people. It's one of the great advantages, I think, training in New York because everybody, there's this, every single country is represented in your patient population. <laughs> oh, yeah. All over. Where, I, where I, I feel my training was really very inclusive of that. You know, I, I had the um, the private hospital, I had the city hospital and the VA system. So I, we saw, you know, every- So you every, had traumatic stuff too. You had- yeah. yeah, I trained at Bellevue. And I remember at the time there was like a massive like crane accident in New York City. Oh, I remember that. Oh, you remember that? Yeah. yeah. We, you know, major trauma. Mm -hmm. It was a trauma, you know, level three, whatever, <laughs> trauma center, <laughs> and we we saw all the the re the the rehab the patients had. Mm -hmm. so, and then also seeing, I also was interested, or I guess it was nice, the experience of um, vets coming back and young vets or older vets in this in with mm -hmm. brain injuries. Um, I mean, just having that aspect, that avenue. So it was mm -hmm. kind of very all-inclusive. So you really obviously loved that aspect of your work. What, what made you move towards thinking about having a private practice, which presumably wouldn't give you quite that mix? So let's do that bit first. What, what, what made you think, no, I want to be my own boss and, and deal with all the business aspects as well as the medical aspects. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't uh, a, so much of a conscious decision. Uh, like, like it, it was, it was more, it flowed into that. Um, mm -hmm. I, so I was living in Washington DC for two and a half years. And then I really missed my family and I missed New York. If you've ever lived in Washington DC, it like clears out on the weekends and especially holiday weekends. And it was like a ghost town. And I just found myself always going back to New York. 
Mm-hmm. Thankfully, yeah. not so far. <laughs> right. It wasn't so far, but it, but after a while, you know, I was I was single at the time, and it was easy to go back and forth relatively, except that you know, with an employed job, you, you didn't have that. You couldn't always go back when you wanted to. But um, I I look I I didn't I was a little bit. Um, I guess lazy for lack of a better word, <laughs> looking for a job. I thought, oh, maybe I'll try private private, I'll try something else. So I ended up taking a job doing inpatient subacute. Mm-hmm. And then also part-time for a, an orthopedist. And after about a year, I was like, they just it was less than a year that I discovered it, but I was they made my exit plan. <laughs> that, <laughs> They, they changed their tune with money and how much they're paying me. And oh. it, it, it's a long story. And then I was like, I, I, I can't, you know, I want to, I, I need, I can't do this. I need mm-hmm. to, but I, I autonomy would be good. <laughs> yes. So I ended up thinking about starting my, an office. And at the same time, one of the subacute places I was going to asked me to stay independently. Mm-hmm. And that was really amazing. And I, I was there 10 years um, and they grew a lot. I mean, I was the only physiatrist managing. First, they, they opened up their new building and it was 50 beds of subacute rehab, gorgeous single rooms, which was amazing during COVID when everyone had to quarantine, like coming in for two. And then, then they also had a, kept some of their old unit for patients that needed more support, some of the older patients, more of the older patients with dementia or more impaired. And so I, at one point before COVID, I was managing 80 beds of subacute rehab all by myself. Whoa. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as a consultant, I wasn't the primary. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. And, and it was subacute. You weren't, it wasn't like 80 beds to you. <laughs> right. You were more medically stable, but as some, as a physiatrist, I was seeing people more often than the primary, like I picked up on sometimes acute myelopathy, acute gout, DVTs, you know, and just also, I loved, um, just collaborating, communicating with the, the physical therapist. Mm -hmm. Um, they would always come to me for my input on someone who like wasn't progressing and I'd pick up orthostatic hypotension or, you know, especially the Parkinson's patients that get some of these orthostatic or um, what's the word, autonomic issues. Uh, so it was very, it was, it was really interesting. And I did, I did see a lot, a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It was, it was a variety of interesting. It wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. Uh, the same <laughs> and 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 then a few years and so I did a little office work did a little office work there and then because of COVID it was put on hold and then um, I got back into it recently and I also a few years ago started doing a utilization review I forgot how I got into it I don't know if a friend told me about it but I was it I had gotten in before COVID, like in 2019. So luckily, luckily when the census was very low, I was able to pick up on that more. Mm -hmm. And then things changed for me (laughs) a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. It was more more than a couple of years ago. It was 
it's a long story, but I, I know we don't. Well, there's a lot of things about me. You've got marriage, you have kids. There's a lot of things that go into being a doctor. There's, there's, <laughs> there's the medical stuff, but there's also the rest of your life going on. Right. So. There's a lot. And uh, I, you know, I ended up having some health issues, not, not terminal, thank God, you know, but like that affects my lifestyle and affects the um, demands of being a physician. Uh I was diagnosed with an autoimmune condition and it took a long time to get a diagnosis. Of course, I just, the story of all autoimmune disease, it really takes forever. Yeah. And then luckily I knew I had the diagnosis before COVID, but I was waiting to see a rheumatologist. So Uh it got got delayed and the treatment got delayed because of COVID, but I was doing, I was doing okay. And, and still um, doing what I was doing, practicing clinically and wanting to do more clinical work because I, I, I felt inspired <laughs> that uh, at least what I experienced, I, I, I get a lot of pain, unfortunately. And I was learning to manage it with non-pharmacologic uh, interventions. And oh, I, forgot, I'm, I also got certified in acupuncture in 2013. We could talk about that another time, but oh yeah, but I, I'd love to talk about that anytime. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I that's you know I was I was directing my own care and felt because I didn't. Oh yes, of course, because that's really a great idea. <laughs> we we encourage that with patients. No, I mean I wasn't I wasn't like <laughs> part of your part of the planning. <laughs> I was kind of like coor- I, What I really mean to say is coordinating my care. Okay. that's what I meant to say that's what I meant to say but a lot someone I don't know if it was you someone else mentioned it there's outpatient oh no someone else another doctor I connected with who also is unfortunately going through health issues she is struggling and going from doctor to doctor to get answers and there's a lot of um, disconnect in the outpatient setting inpatient Uh but and so I was I was uh my coordinator (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I was doing well for a while, but I think what was lacking was that, you know, you have, you know, I have this condition. I was, it, I don't, you know, as doctors and specialists, we don't know everything about every condition. Of course not. Yeah. So I really didn't know what the future held or like, what's my limitations and is my. And, and the course of anybody's disease can, can change. It, right. Yeah. Right. And autoimmune, you never know when you're going to get a flare. And then when you're, you're running around or on your feet, you just don't know. And and I I started unfortunately experiencing a a significant flare like months back. And I just, I didn't know till like May because my rheumatologist left practice and I found a new rheumatologist and then finally, and, and I was having a foot issue from not really realizing that it was part of what transition. Mm-hmm. and now everything the last few months everything's coming together and I accepted the fact that like the type of work I was doing was kind of a disconnect for an, a mismatch not a disconnect a mismatch for for me and my and, and my body and my health unfortunately and um it was it was a hard decision but uh I so I I, I just moved into full-time utilization review Uh and I do use I'm using my medical background and 
as a physiatrist, there's a lot of interesting work out there. And I just started, so I, I can't tell you uh, <laughs> too much, but my, but my day-to-day is controlled. I'm able to take breaks and stretch, and I've been good about just trying to move in the morning. Um, uh, and a lot. Mm-hmm. And pres- presumably, it's a more nine-to-five kind of schedule which will also enable you to plan things like doctor's visits and right. getting getting to exercise. <laughs> exactly. And not also, I was always um, doing and my eat work. properly, which is another right. major thing right. in clinical practice. And yeah. also, like, I think part of what a lot of the autoimmune, you have fatigue. So just having like, not having to pack myself up in the morning or, mm-hmm. um, you know, pack my food up and a lot of things like that. It, it's only been uh, a week (laughs) full time, but, you know, I have my standing desk. I could take breaks when I need to. And, you know, a lot of things I'm still figuring it out. (laughs) I spoke to another reviewer yesterday. She has a treadmill desk. I don't, I don't think I can do a treadmill desk yet uh, with my foot, but Mm -hmm. I do have, I already had a standing desk and I have, and, and you would I don't know if you've ever looked on Amazon of all the different um, ergonomic gadgets you can get. I have. So, yes. I'm still looking for a chair that really works. <laughs> well, so I'm also, I'm in the market. I want to get a chair with a headrest because yeah. just promote more, like you're not going to be like resting your head back, but it's more of a posture reminder because I tend mm-hmm. to keep my head forward and that's not good for <laughs> But also been looking for like foot rest. I have a, a mat, an ergon- like a mat I stand on when you stand. Um, but it's kind of fun. You're doing utilization review, really using your PMR background or are you seeing, is it everything that comes across your desk? I was hired for, um, for specifically PM&R physiatry, but it, but it, there's, there's. And, and this is utilization review. This is not. No, you can't do that test. You haven't done this test first. You're not, you're not prior authorization. <laughs> right, right. Well, it, it's the same. Th- it's, 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 it's sort of similar. Uh, it'll, it overlaps because a lot of the, some of the PM&R equipment, things like that are, are very expensive, but you also have, there's a, there's a big mix of who's requesting it. There could be a lot of NPs or PAs. Mm-hmm. They don't know what they're requesting. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of fancy gadgets out there that are not necessary, ne- not necessarily what you need to function. Um, there's a big market out there. There's also, well, it, it's actually, it's in, I've been doing it already as a contractor for other companies, mm-hmm. but now this is on like a whole other level because I'm going to be met like doing it all day, but like, uh, yeah, I would imagine it's somewhat like pharmaceuticals too. It's sort of advertised to the public, which is not really a great idea. There's only two countries that allow pharmaceutical advertising. It's awesome. For strange reason, New Zealand, um, <laughs> which means that people come with a pre preconception that this pill will work for you. I assume it's the same thing for robotic arms or whatever you are being asked to provide yeah. <laughs> that costs a yes. ton of money. Or you should have, oh, like the, there's actually something, I don't think I knew about this in residency there are people called like a like a technology special like the I think it stands for ATP I'm blanking on the name, but 
they're not uh, physical or occupational therapists. So there's rules with some of these equipment that you need to be evaluated by a PT or OT to get the right mm -hmm. thing. But even, even then, like there's these, there are durable medical equipment companies that, you know, they're profit, they're, they're for profit. Of they course. order, they want to order, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of that, unfortunately. And it's not really about cutting um, dollars or trying to increase the company's revenue. It's really about getting people what they need and the right thing for what they need. Are you able in your job to say, that seems like a funny thing to be asking for. Have you looked at this? Um, <laughs> or or are, are you able to interact with the person who's making the, making oh, the you could medical be, person who's asking for the request? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think they're, they're peer to peers. Mm -hmm. But there's a there's a process if if something's denied before you know before it gets to appeals. Mm -hmm. But I'm not. I know for other companies, some you can't you can't say you should look at this. Uh -huh. You can say like you don't meet necessity for that level wheelchair part, but you would meet for a lower level. Right. That kind of thing. You know. So for you know based on their their physical functioning. So um, I'm still I'm still learning at least for this, you know, the, I'm in the learning phase of this company. Can you tell yet whether this is um, something you're gonna grow? Are you happy like continuing at that level or do you think that there's, there's a sort of career path or are you capped out on, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on career I'm growth? I'm making money, I have kids, I've got enough on my plate, thank you. <laughs> exactly, no. um, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure um, how the career path goes, but I do know so far a lot of the doctors that I've met and they vary in, in, in the stage of their career, whether they're like me, maybe a little bit, only like 13 years clinical experience, some are, you know. Or like your dad having, you know, a complete career and they move into it. Right, but well, there are people more maybe like 50 or 55 and some of them have, you know, climbed up. Um, or more manager positions. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I, I'm not. I'm not sure yet um, where this would take me. But I did find out that I do get some CME uh, nice. reimbursement, and if it if it's you know maybe has to do with um, what I'm doing. So that would be interesting if there's any kind of course. You know, I, I, there are people on my team that have MBAs. I don't think I'm ready to like go back to school even I'm not I'm not up for that right now <laughs> but there I think there are other kind of you know whether it's maybe like a, a public health degree some you know mm -hmm. it's interesting because there's also opportunity to work on the policy there's yeah. a lot of policies and 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 they vary from state to state I'm learning that there's you know a lot of it is government there's government policies there's state uh -huh. there's federal state and then just your local policies so I'm learning all that. <laughs> and there's innovation all the time that you'll have to adjust for. That, so. that too. So then people request new things and it's like, uh, you know. What we don't have that? a track record on this yet. So we know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I'm really happy that you've, you've, you look excited about this. I know it's only a oh, week, but you, you know, it's, it's good. <laughs> it's, it's a week, but um, I finally woke up for my, early morning walk without snoozing so I'm getting into okay. yes you know I'm trying to find my routine which I'm my body I do have to say my body does feel better this week not yes. running around 
and I didn't start my car all week. <laughs> so I, and petrol prices are coming down, but still, it's really nice not to have to do that. <laughs> I know. I, 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 we were thinking maybe could we get away with one car, mm -hmm. but problem it, is my kids. It, with kids, you you go in two different directions. I don't. Yeah. Yeah, we're doing. Or two with two kids, you'll probably go in several directions. But exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it'd be great that you're going to be able to control your illness better because mm -hmm. you're you're it'll just be such so much easier to manage, and yet you're still using your degree. You're yes. still able to. And, and I assume you have to maintain your license and all the rest of it. If they're giving you CME, they must expect you to maintain oh, yeah, your license. Yeah. I have to maintain my license and um, board certification and all that. Mm -hmm. um, I do want to say on that note, I know, you know, I'm, I made this decision. I actually have a friend who also had a friend that I met through um, doing my contract UR. Mm -hmm. you know, I think I spoke to her because she has a health condition. Um, and, you know, it's a hard, it's a hard decision to, to, I don't know what the future holds. I may go back. Maybe I'll be able to go back when things are more under control. I don't know, but you know, there are a lot of physicians that, you know, have certain health conditions, whether, you know, chronic or acute. And I think it's important to know that it's okay that if you have to change gears to take care of yourself, yeah. we're always taking care of other people and pushing that, that was my problem that I always push myself that I could get through this and I'll move on and it'll get better I mean really that's un the unfortunate part of you know just I've got it if I do this I'll be in medical school oh no if I do this I'll be in residency it's yeah. always it's it's just a life of delayed gratification for so long and you, that's you, what, you yeah. know how to prioritize things other than do it <laughs> yeah and I was for for four years I just kept going to doctor to doctor and I just had it in my head that I'm going to get better. four years to get the diagnosis actually it was like so it was really um like two and a half of really and then I finally got the diagnosis but I wasn't was it two I'm saying now it's been four four and a half years that I was really struggling I had it, it I got worse after my daughter was born four and a half years ago which a lot of autoimmune things come out but I had signs and signs of it earlier, but no one, it was hard to put the pieces together. But then finally it just got so bad you can't move around. That's, um, so yeah, I think I think the message should be that it's it's okay to prior, what you said, prioritize yourself and- Yeah, I mean, it can't, it, truly, if you're, you, none of us want to practice substandard healthcare on anyone. And if you're not taking care of yourself, you cannot be performing at your best. So it's way better to find something where you're still going to really serve your patients just in a different way. Yeah. You know, just a little plug for hypnosis. I, I, that's my pivot. I think that hypnosis is great. It doesn't cure cancer, but it's really helpful if you have cancer and you're going through that. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to make an appointment with you. So one, we could talk oh, again, okay. but two, um, I am, I do believe in like, the mind body, especially with managing pain and uh, mind body connection, there is a lot of, as you know, you know, <laughs> evidence based. Yeah, exactly. Um, so um, I think the next time we speak, will be you'll you'll be hypnotizing me. If you want, you could do it on Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> well, I actually I don't I 
I, uh, I'm happy to hypnotize people on Zoom. That's, that's where I see all my, almost all my clients. Um, but I don't ever air those things because I don't want people to be driving their car and listening to an induction. Oh, good <laughs> well, point. It'd be really safe. <laughs> and right. I also don't, I don't see people without, without medical involvement. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't think of it like a party piece. Mm-hmm. And I, that's my, my, um, I'm not sure if I'm going to cut this out or not, because I don't want to offend my fellow hypnotists. I'm amazed at this, the, the speed with which some of them are so skillful, but it really bothers me that it perpetuates the idea that it's a, that it's a trick, that it's, that it's just for entertainment. And thought that your interest in acupuncture grew out of the, your illness, uh, but um, you'd actually been interested in that before. Yes. Um, you know, I had, um, a good friend in residency. She's a year ahead of me. She, uh, she was getting certified during residency. Mm-hmm. So I sort of like was interested and my program director was, um, certified, but we didn't do, we didn't, we weren't exposed to a lot of it unless you were really, but I really think any, a lot of physiatrists who manage pain should also be certified in acupuncture. It's just, it's great modality. But um, I think after I started residency, after I started my first job, I remember going to PT for my knee and I had a hard time doing the therapy because of pain, but there was like taking Motrin or Tylenol just didn't do it. And a friend there was like, oh, go to my acupuncturist. I think that's what usually happens. Go to my acupuncturist. So I started going and I was like, wow, like it's amazing. And then when I left my first job and I, I was still single, so I had time. I took the Helms Medical Institute course and um, I loved it. And I, I did it at the facility and I did it outpatient and a lot of insurances cover it now. Yeah. A lot of, um, actually, so Medicare started covering it for back pain and they actually reimbursed nicely. So I think maybe one day I would go back, maybe only do act like it really depends. I think when you do for me, at least doing too many things, but I do still uh-huh. really love acupuncture and I'm trying to find someone again, like closer to me so I could go. I did find a practice in the evening, but I, yeah, became, I was interested before my diagnosis, but I really, when I was, um, after I was diagnosed, I started, I like, well, once I was, once the world was allowing doctor visits after COVID, after COVID, no, we're not done yet. No, we're not done. We're not done. But the fall, the fall of 2020, I started going for like eight, nine months. But my, if you, if your insurance doesn't cover it, it it could, it could get expensive, but it's not something that you need to go to every single week indefinitely like if you're going through an acute thing you can go once a week but then chronic you could just go every three to four weeks Mm -hmm. it's it's really amazing what it does it's really amazing not something you could practice on yourself I mean I realize needles in your back be hard but is (laughs) are you able to use some of the techniques on yourself that you're trained so I do self-acupuncture. That's that's one of the things you do on the course. They want you to know what it's like to like needle yourself. <laughs> but um, there are a lot of good points on the leg. Mm-hmm. And um, from time to time, I'll treat myself. I, I actually, before, during COVID, when I was just like, couldn't get out and see anyone, um, 
I was doing some acupuncture on myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there, you know, even on the hand, you know, like this point between the your pressure points. Yeah. 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 That's a very powerful point. Um, so I, I actually also, my friend that I mentor from, she also, <laughs> she'll try to like treat herself. It's hard to treat. It's hard to treat your neck. You can't treat your yeah. neck so much. But there's points on the legs that are just general muscle relaxation, which is actually really good for me. Yeah. I wish I had more time for that. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, I also wish we had more time to talk, but I am going to say goodbye to you now. Please, let's have another meeting <laughs> because I would love to talk more about acupuncture. I think it's really important to get the word out to people. It's not woo-woo. This is complimentary. Nobody's saying throw away Western medicine. Let's go right. do all the woo-woo stuff. It's we should use everything that's available to us. I would love to talk more about that. But okay. it was so nice. And um talk to you, you soon. Too. Okay, bye. Thank you for joining us at Myth Magic Medicine. If you have found this episode useful, you can apply for free CME credit through the link provided in the transcript. If you're not a medical professional, Please remember, while we're physicians, we're not your physicians. So please consult with your own healthcare professional if you think something you have heard might apply to you or a loved one. Until next time, bye-bye.